Well, hey, FBN. Um, super good to be here with you guys. Um, uh, we're kind of going a little old school um, this time and uh, wanted to uh, bring Kinsey back on. Uh, if you guys uh, can remember back when we started a pro our Proverbs series, I think we did maybe one or two, th two or three sessions at the church. Uh, and then COVID kind of sank its teeth in. And so uh, we were doing everything from home and we did the bulk of the Proverbs study from uh, our home. Um, and we did it together at the start, and it was kind of nice just to get some different feedback uh, and to loop her in. And um, um, we thought, since we're getting into Proverbs chapter 31 now, which is very heavy regarding um, just godly leadership, godly manhood, godly womanhood, uh, we thought it would be nice to just kind of end it in this way um, over the next two weeks. And so tonight and next week, uh, we'll be picking apart Proverbs chapter 31. And so uh, welcome back, Kinsey. Um, we're, uh, we're in our new place. We just, uh, we just moved here uh, a month or so ago. So uh, we're in our dining room. I think you can see, just see the kitchen. So it's probably not the fanciest uh, uh, background, but uh, welcome to our home. And we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 31 this evening. Um, and so, uh, if you have a copy of the scriptures, would you grab that? Um, would you open a Proverbs chapter 31, grab a notebook, grab whatever it is that you use to uh, uh, take notes and to, uh, to engage with uh, the content, and let's have a word of prayer uh, as we begin. God, thanks for this time together. Grateful for um, just the opportunity, uh, once again, to join in the scriptures. Thank you for um, just uh, Kinsey and her willingness to be a part of this. We pray that people are just blessed uh, by your word. Uh, as we usually are, God, uh, because you're so good and you've provided us all we need uh, to live rightly before you, and we pray uh, that you would use tonight to contribute to that cause, grateful for uh, Proverbs 31 and the wisdom presented, not only in this chapter, but in this whole book, and I just pray that this study has been meaningful to people, and just uh, be with us now, be with our conversation, be with our um, just study of your word, uh, use it to enrich us and to grow us in you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, um, we're going to pick it apart, and I have a few questions I'm going to toss to Kenzie while we, uh, while we chat. But uh, if you recall, uh, Proverbs chapter 30 was written by this guy named Agur, uh, or Agur, um, which is interesting because this is just one of these guys who um, we don't know much about him, but he has a whole chapter in Scripture um, in the canon of Scripture, and it's just really rich content. If you've been tracking chapter 30, it's just been super rich. And so uh, I'm grateful for this kind of mysterious person. Well, and then chapter 31, we have these words from another guy. Um, it starts by saying, the words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement that his mother taught him. Uh, so what we have is um, this mother's teaching handed down to her son. Most scholars believe uh, that Lemuel uh, was King Solomon. So this is like a message from King Solomon's mother to him. Um, certainly other scholars think it's just another guy probably in the uh, wise counsel of King Solomon who had a wise mother who handed some things down to him. Um, so you go to the internet and figure out what you think about all that. Either way, it's in scripture because God made it so. Um, because there's wisdom here. There's something for us to grab hold of. And so here's how it begins. Verse 2. What should I say, my son? What's uh, sorry, what should I say, my son? What son of my womb? What son of my vows? Okay. Um, it's interesting, just to take a quick pause here, um, just to note uh, just the teachings of the mother, uh, that 
in, in, in God's sovereign wisdom of his scripture, we just have this little section here uh, of what a mother might teach her son. And um, the rest of Proverbs, if you know, it's all about, you know, um, your father's teaching. Um, this is like a Solomon handing these down, things down to uh, his kids. And so in a way, this is kind of like this compounding generational advice that maybe if King Lemuel is actually King Solomon, he received it from his mother, who is giving it to him, and now he's passing it down to his kids, basically saying, listen to what my mother taught me, you know. Um, and it's kind of, it's cool. And uh, I think what we see here, uh, she's saying, what should I say, my son? You're like, what should I tell you? Uh, what, son of my womb, right? So you have this biological connection between mother and son. But then you have, you know, this where she says, what, son of my vows, Right. Not only is there a biological connection, but when we think of vows, I always think of covenant. I think of God's covenant with us. I think of his promises to us. And so I see this um, biological connection between mother and son, but also this spiritual connection between mother and son. And that's a strong connection. And, um, you know, we we come from kind of an interesting background because we don't have biological children. Uh, we have three children, but none of them are biological. They're um, certainly spiritual. Um, they are our kids legally, um, but we didn't. Uh, they didn't come from our, you know, our biology. And so, um, I thought it'd be interesting to just have a moment here to speak to uh, the nature of of the biological connection between a mother and you know a child, particularly maybe a son, and um, the spiritual connection, which one is more important and how do they work together. And so uh, I kind of asked Kenzie beforehand to, uh, to think about that and share some thoughts with us. And so what do, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, I think that God's view of family is wide. I think that he definitely made it clear in the Old Testament that a biological connection, you know, having a lot of children biologically was a huge blessing and it was seen as a curse if you couldn't have children. And this side of the New Testament, um, or this side of, of the Bible, living in the New Testament, I feel like he's expanded that obligation to our children to not include just ones that come from our bodies, but the ones that are included in the body of Christ, the church. We are responsible for the children in our church. We have a vow to the Lord that we would serve him, we would love him. Mm-hmm. And I think that includes training up his children, the ones that are younger than us in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this can look like just the responsibility we have, not only to our own biological children, but the ones that God blesses us with in our lives that are part of our church, are part of, part of his body, and need an older one, whether that be a female or a male. But um, I feel like they, we have a responsibility to look out for the ones behind us and to share with them what the Lord has done in our lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was thinking about, you know, as we were talking, or as you were talking about it, and just some previous thoughts that I was having about it. Um, you know, we've always had spiritual children. Now we have some legally, you know, right. we are legally bound to these kids right. through adoption. And so we want to see that through. But even back when we were student ministries and we were in our low 20s, yeah. and we had these, you know, mid-teens, mm-hmm. um, who even now, though, you know, they've moved, some of them have moved, but we're, we're deeply connected and we have, yeah. we truly feel like spiritual yeah. children, you know, that yeah. we were able to just 
pour into and invest in. Yeah. Um, and they very graciously allow us that privilege. <laughs> yeah. Like they even, like we've said that aloud to them. They're like, yes, like mm. you really are. Like you really are that to me, that, mm-hmm. that spiritual mother, even though they're five or six years younger than us, right. it's really not no, much, but yeah. that's just goes to prove that like, there's always somebody younger than you. There's always somebody older than you. There's always right. that chain right. that you need to link into. Right. Right. And one of the issues with us was like we we had these spiritual platforms to kind of invest down, you know, and we had other people invest down in us. But um, we we struggled because we wanted that biological experience or that legal experience, you know. Um, And so I know that's a tussle. But uh, one of the ways that I've thought about it is just the biology that you have and that connection that you have with your kids. It it is a tool. Mm -hmm. But regardless the point and the purpose is spiritual in nature. Um, and that is something that whether you have children or not, um, mm-hmm. you can invest and, you know, give those spiritual deposits downward mm-hmm. to people. And in a sense, you know, it's kind of like the Paul Timothy model where Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, right? Timothy had a dad and a mom somewhere else, but uh, Paul thought of him as a, as a son in the faith. And so, um, Use your biological connection as a tool mm-hmm. uh, to increase that spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have kids, you have right. an opportunity Some, uh, in the church. To- something that I'm so like glad that we can offer our children is, of course, we can give them this like this biological relationship that we have with them. This it's like a biological. I mean, there are children like as if you know, as, like any normal family. Mm-hmm. But we get to give them the gift of a church where. They will also have spiritual parents. There's a whole group of us raising children at the same time, and all of the that whole generation is their they are all their spiritual parents. And then they also have spiritual grandparents. Like our church is not yeah. just a place that we go to hang out on Sunday morning when we get to go, but it's a whole extended family of people looking out for our kids. And as they grow, they'll 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 be speaking into our children's mm-hmm. lives as we'll be speaking into the lives of, of the children of our, our church family members. Right, right. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. That was kind of just a side piece. It wasn't the main point of this, but it is kind of nice to mm-hmm. see. It's a foundation. That, yeah, the foundation and just the connection and how he, in his wisdom, if this is truly Solomon, you know, and regardless, he's a wise guy speaking of something that his mother pronounced to him. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see that connection. He goes on to say, here's the advice, you're right, from this mother. Here's her advice, and I think this is remarkable. She says, don't spend your energy, verse 3, don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. I think that's interesting, right? It's a woman guarding against women because as a woman, she knows uh, she knows the tendency of women, right? It's, it's good to have an honest... Uh, um, it's an honest knowing of your perspective of who you are and, yeah. and who your kind are, right? As a man, I know fully what men struggle with. And, and if a young woman comes to me and asks for some advice, I'll say, well, let me tell you what that guy's probably thinking. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm a guy. And so now you can kind of speak into that. Um, and so, yeah, that section right there, it's just don't spend your energy on women, right? She's trying to spare him of, of, of getting lost in just this, energy sucking um, thing that can happen, you know, whenever you you go chasing, whenever you kind of become subject to, uh, you know, the woman of your dreams and how that can play out so bad, right? So, you know, what are, you know, what does this look like? Um, And in my mind, I've just thought about people, uh, young men 
who seem to be on target, uh, and then a relationship comes into play, and it just seems to just crumble mm-hmm. um, the foundation, right? This, this works both ways, by the way. Um, uh, the same thing happens with young women, and we're going to get to that later in Proverbs 31, right? But, but for now, we're looking at it from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen strong-willed women um, and, and kind of weak, <laughs> desperate men uh, you know, unite in marriage, and, and just he just becomes this shadow of a man that used to be, you know. Um, and, and so I just, I just see all these things and just the way that, a, you know, a man can become lifeless in his relationship to a woman because of various reasons, you know. Um, it's hard to know what exactly she's pinpointing here because she's not real specific. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have any additions to... Uh, to what you think the advice is here yeah. for him. I mean, I think the constant temptation is to, which the world happily supports, is one, to make men into this Prince Charming who's something to be worshipped, something that just gets everything right and provides and is loving and romantic and strong and brave and all these things, something to worship. Or they turn the relationship between a man and a woman into a feminist movement of, you know, the future's female kind of situation. And so the man is either worshipped or he's used as a tool or um, um, as something for her to get her way, um, where God asks us to think of that person as our brother, as someone who, you know, came from the same place, is going to the same place, and has the same tendencies and sinful um, weaknesses um, may be more specific to his gender, but is still sinful and still falls, yet still tries and still has hope in the Lord, mm-hmm. hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can, when we err on either side, either worshiping our Prince Charming or, you know, making sure the future is female in our house or in our church <clears throat> or in our workplace, then um, mm. it's going to go badly. Mm. And it's going to end up for sure, the man is going to get sucked dry, but the woman is too in her yeah. own way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah. It goes it goes both ways on that, and we'll get to that later in Proverbs thirty one. But that's a really good point. I wasn't even thinking about those two extremes, but that's a totally a reality. Um, <clears throat> you notice there at the end of that verse, he says, you know, those things that destroy kings, um, and talking about those things that destroy kings, she goes on to another thing um, that, that has that destructive nature to it, right? Uh, And it's interesting. There's a lot of verses committed to this. So looking at verse 4, she says, um, he says, as he quotes whoever it was, you know, his mother that poured this into him, it is not for kings, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire beer. Otherwise, he will drink um, and forget what is decreed uh, and pervert justice for all the oppressed. Give beer to one who is dying and wine to one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so that he can forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Mm. So some good wisdom regarding just this this element of alcoholism Mm. and alcohol. And she says, um, thinking of kings, thinking of people in leadership, that's the idea, uh, that you have other people subject to you. You have a role to play in leadership. And she says, it's not for kings to drink beer or for rulers to desire um, or it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire beer. So she just kind of calls it out, and it's good wisdom, right? We're not prudes. Um, um, I don't know anybody who, who 
you know, gets mad at anybody else for having a, a drink every once in a while. But in her wisdom um, and in what is presented to us in Scripture, um, she's saying, you know, have your guard up. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is an element to this that forfeits good leadership. Um, in one sense, as she said, uh, you'll forget what you've decreed, right? We all know that <laughs> with drinking and alcohol, you lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose sense of your sobriety, um, and you have a tendency to make big mistakes. Uh, whether they're short-term or long-term, we have a tendency. This is part of alcohol, um, is that it it gets your mind out of its good and stable state, right? Um, and so that's one element of it. Um, not only that, verse 5 talks about how uh, there might be a tendency to pervert justice for the oppressed, um, which is difficult to hear about people who, who partake in criminal activity because they're under the influence and, and, and things like that. People have a tendency to become violent, to become aggressive, Alcohol seems to uh, incline uh, many people to that, mm-hmm. right? And so you think about a, a king who doesn't have his head on straight, and he's giving himself to this, and he's making judgment calls for the whole kingdom, you mm-hmm. know. There's going to be oppression that happens just because of that. And listen, we could talk on and on about the side effects and the risks of, of alcohol, you know what I mean? Just short-term risks of, uh, you know, um, um, you know, liver failure and all of these things, you know, that can happen, DUIs and, you know, whatnot, those risks, but then the long-term risk of serious disease, mm-hmm. um, serious relational um, conflict and impact that it can seem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she she begins to talk about why people drink, mm-hmm. which I think this is interesting because one thing Kendi's said to me uh, quite a few times, and it's usually in a joking manner, you know what I mean? It's like, I understand why some people drink, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so what, why do you usually say that? Where, why do you say that sometimes? Yeah, I say it because life is painful. I mean, yeah. the sin that just comes out of us is painful. It's li- living with those consequences is painful. Relationships are painful. Even when you do things right, life is just, it can be really painful. Of course, it could be wonderful, but it mm-hmm. can also be really painful. And if you're not filled with something good and stable, then you're going to fill yourself with something that helps the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that in that sense, you know, you can have compassion on somebody who's just suffering right. and has no other way or doesn't feel like they have another way to comfort themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, it's a family trait, if that's what they saw, if it was mm-hmm. good enough for their parents, then it was probably good, it's probably good enough for them. Um, mm-hmm. So to just see that you can have compassion but that doesn't make it right. And right. Yeah. Right. And that's the, I think that's a controversy sometimes for people. Whenever they read, it says verse six, give beer to the one who is dying and wine to ones whose life is bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not permissing this. this. Isn't, this isn't permissing alcohol. It's saying that it's, it's for those who, who are already like physically out of this world, right? They're already like dying physically there's a there's a physical um or or you know a health related issue going on but it's also for those whose life is bitter this is probably mm-hmm. more of an, emo- an emotional um you know status of just feeling down and feeling out or depressed or whatever it is and then verse seven let him drink so he can forget his poverty right mm-hmm. so even people who have an issue with just their social status and their lot in life and right basically the wisdom here is like Alcohol is for people who are self-medicating to get their head off of something else. But even then, 
it is not good for kings to give themselves to it. Mm -hmm. If you have any place of leadership, kings, fathers, mm -hmm. parents, um, whoever you are, bosses, you know, the reality is, is that if you have a kid in your life, if you have anybody younger in your life, you have a place of leadership. And so you need mm -hmm. to seriously challenge your mm -hmm. own thinking on this topic, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, being in college ministry, it's always been a thing where young people just take this affection to alcohol because they just turned 21, but they're going to do it safe, you know what I mean, of mm -hmm. course, because uh, they're, they're Christian kids, but they, but they, they want to try out alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, again, we're not prudes. I just don't, under, you know, it's always under this veiled sense of like, yeah. it's a good social thing, as if there's not anything else to do to socially <laughs> connect with people. Yeah. Right? Like, why pick the one thing that could potentially lead to this kind of chaos in your life? Mm -hmm. There's basketball, you know, um, <laughs> there's sports, there's well, that's not very fun. so <laughs> many kidding. social things that you can do. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just risky business. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is that, you know, it's not permissible. We can have some grace for people yeah. uh, who are trying to mask their pain. But all it is, all it provides is temporary relief and then a world of trouble. Mm -hmm. That's all it provides. It just extends the trouble. It does not heal anything. Mm -hmm. And so many people run to the drink to self-medicate from their own pain um, in the same way that people seek out medication. Mm -hmm. um, they seek out medication because they, they, they have anxiety or depression or something like that. And so they're quickly medicated before they ever even give God a chance to speak into their hearts because ultimately he's the only one that can heal that stuff anyways. Mm -hmm. um, sure, medication can, can help, you know, align some things sometimes. Sometimes it causes more damage. Um, the point is this, give God a chance before you go to either self-medication or prescribed medication um, for emotional things and for um, anything that you might use to hide pain mm -hmm. and, to, and to heal pain. Mm -hmm. Give God a chance. And uh, trust him and see if he might not be able to do something for you through his sovereign power before we try to self-medicate, which is never good. It pro might provide temporary relief, um, but it just perpetuates the problems mm -hmm. in the long run. Yeah. That's her wisdom there. Now, that's the wisdom that she provides, and it's really good wisdom. And, and I really do hope, you know, Christians consider this. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so easy to just shrug some things off because we don't have a problem with it or, you know, we mm -hmm. don't think that we have a problem with it, but you know, there, it's, it's something that we need to keep in the forefront of our minds at all, at all times. So, mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and move, uh, into kind of our last piece here and, uh, we'll, we'll begin to close this out. I'm not sure how long we've gone. It might be a little longer than normal. So we're at the end of Proverbs. I think you can handle it. Um, let's look at verse nine. Sorry, verse 8. So after talking about all that, she says, Speak up for those who have no voice for, just, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. And I love this uh, because in a moment, um, the, the table's been flipped, right? If you think about everything we talked about, which is alcohol and self-medication, right? Mm -hmm. It's my pain, it's my, it's my health, it's my status, it's all of these things, and I just can't deal with it, and so I'm self-medicating. I hope you notice the selfishness that's behind all of this. And she yeah. says, hey, let's flip that for a second. Kings, get out of your own head. Don't have such a selfish perspective and think about this. 
Speak up for those who have no voice. Speak up for those who, who need justice, who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. Get your head off of yourself and start thinking about other people who are counting on you. Start thinking about the, uh, the needy and the oppressed among you. Right? So you see that perspective switch. I mean, it's, it's clear as day there. She says here, speak up. Right? Speak up literally uh, in uh, the Hebrew language. This means to just open your mouth. <laughs> like literally do something, say something, uh, speak a command, open your mouth. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, for there to be some conviction and, some, you know, outside of just kind of this um, figment of our imagination that because we're Christians that we're kind and caring people and we give to the needy and, you know, I'll throw that homeless guy a buck or two every once in a while. This is talking about an actual conviction, something a little more than that, mm. right? To speak out boldly, uh, for it to be something that marks you. Um, I can think of a lot of believers, myself included, we just... <laughs> We don't want, we, we hate the political realm so much that we don't mm -hmm. want to be too pro-life. We don't want to be, uh, you know, too much in, in that kind of realm because we don't want to step into the political lines. And so what we end up doing is just kind of shutting our mouths and being annoyed by it all. Mm -hmm. Speak up. If it's a biblical principle, if it's truth, um, and if you have any leadership position, then people need you to speak up, to own it, to be convicted by it and to defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't do this um, if you're too consumed uh, self-medicating. Uh, you can't care about other people uh, if mm -hmm. you're too lost in your own needs. Um, and so, Kenzie, this is kind of my last question for you um, as far as this idea of the, you know, not only um, fathers, kings, leaders, you know, mm -hmm. um, parents, you know, all believers are called to this mm -hmm. uh, to some extent. Um, the Bible says that true religion is to watch out for orphans and widows, to take mm -hmm. care of them. Um, so we've all been called to this, but we, we need a perspective change. And I think mm -hmm. you know in our culture, even faith, um, you know, everything seems to be about self-satisfaction. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that have helped you flip that perspective mm -hmm. to where, you know, your faith isn't just about you and what you can get from God and your uh, your family isn't just about how you can be served, but mm -hmm. how do you stay in the perspective of, of tending to others and helping others? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think any true Christian who knows exactly what they've been saved from and what it costs to do that saving is fully aware of the fact that we're no longer victims. <laughs> we're saved. We're redeemed. Mm -hmm. We have a protector. We have someone bigger than, you know, the creator of the universe on our side. Um, so once you know that, the, I think the, the challenge is to hold on to that. I think our memories are so short. That's why we have to read the Bible every day. We have to remind ourselves of that every day because otherwise the world is going to remind us every day that we have a right to be a victim of something. Um, we have the right to ask people to feel sorry for us, we have the right to expect people to take care of us and listen to us and grieve with us constantly over the, the hardness of life. Nobody's denying that all of that is, isn't true. Life is hard. But if you're a Christian, if you've accepted what the Lord did for you, you have, a, you have someone on your side that, that's going to take care of you and you don't have to fight so hard for yourself. You can look out for the ones, especially the ones who haven't accepted that or have never heard of that or are really young in the faith. Um, 
you can look out for the ones that that aren't as strong as you in that. And hopefully you are strong in that. And if you're not strong in that, you need to get stronger in that. You need to be getting yourself to be eating meat um, and so that you can continue to build up. And it just goes back into that, mm-hmm. um, that obligation we have to the ones behind us. Um, our faith hasn't lasted this long because we were, you know, children of weak Christians who never talked about anything or, or depended on their Lord. Like, yeah. you are part of a legacy of Christians who spoke up and lived life because the Lord said you could. <laughs> like, and you need to pass that on. Um, and if you don't feel up to it, you need to be, you need to be eating meat. You need to be growing, and you need to be relying on Him, and you need to be putting the things away that zap that. Um, you need to not believe the lie that you're a victim and that you can't help anything mm-hmm. and that you need anything other than mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to put those things away and you have to focus on what is good and right and beautiful and true. Um, and you have to focus on the Lord and not yourself mm-hmm. um, at yeah. all costs. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and how that happens is, again, if you struggle with this, and I've struggled with it too, you get kind of in those... You know those uh, those pity pity seasons. You know self pity, and um, we become self pity hoarders and and things like that. But yeah. uh, um, listen, just submitting yourself to the community of believers, um, being a part of Bible studies, being a part of uh, engagement groups where we 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 talk about the Bible and we you know we we connect on those levels and we offer prayer requests for each other. When you give yourself to that form of edification. Um, I think you'll find that you don't really need to be a victim. You'll have your needs cared for. Yeah, um, yeah. You won't have to drive yourself crazy trying to ask for it and get it if you give yourself to the body of believers. That's yeah. just a natural way people care, care for each other. Mm-hmm. You step in and you care for others, you're going to be cared for, and it's a good place. I would add on to this mm-hmm. um, just the idea of, of sharing the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ. If yeah. you want to have this perspective that's not so driven about you, but you truly want to be a speaker on behalf of the defenseless and the oppressed. You don't want to give yourself to all these self-medicated things. And uh, you don't want to have your energy zapped by bad relationships. But you want to be effective for people. It starts with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. To give yourself to that. To let Him cultivate some, uh, a, a new and good worldview and perspective in your mind. So that you can do, as 1 Corinthians 2 says, and have the mind of Christ. Yeah. You can think like Him. You can see people like him. You can see people as not flesh and bone, but as souls. Uh, you can see faith as something not just to, to learn and accrue and, and grow in, but something to, uh, to use so that you can be on mission and help people know the Lord. You can see God in the appropriate way, mm-hmm. um, which is so important. So many of us see him as a dictator, mm-hmm. um, and we want to be his teacher's pet, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so we just go around telling on people, you know what I mean, and, and expecting people to live up to our standards as if we've figured something out. But whenever we, we have the mind of Christ and we see God as Savior, as friend, um, as someone that we're in relationship with, um, and, and so, man, this is what has been afforded to us by Jesus Christ. And so um, if you want to have this perspective of not being so consumed with self but consumed on People, probably people right in your very midst, um, uh, wives and children, you know what I mean, that you, you've been called to take care of and uh, by nature are, are needy of you, and that's okay, and that's what, how God prescribed it, um, then it's time to submit yourself to the Word of God, submit yourself to the community of believers, um, and be praying that He would give you uh, 
his mind and that you'd be able to think like Jesus and see people as, as Jesus sees them. And so, um, listen, we, uh, we love you guys. We're always here for you. Uh, myself, Kinsey as well, uh, your pastors, your, your pastors. Well, I mean, pretty much anybody at FBN, like we, we're, we're here for anybody who might be tuning in this and say, I'm, I'm done with this. I've been, I've been self-medicating, you know. Um, I've given myself to a bad relationship and I don't have any energy for anybody outside of, out of myself, you know, uh, if you've fallen in any of these areas, mm-hmm. join the club. We all have, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to help you uh, climb out. And so, uh, please use us. Uh, we love you guys. We're really grateful to have this time together and we'll mm-hmm. jump into Proverbs chapter 31, uh, starting in verse 10, finishing out next week. It's a lot of verses, but it's just this beautiful picture of this noble, godly woman. And so we're going to spend some time on that. But listen, we love you guys. Thanks, Kinsey, for being a part of this. And uh, I hope you guys have a good evening. And we'll see you this Christmas Sunday. We're celebrating Christmas this Sunday at church. And so uh, we'll see you then. Love you all.